The thing about messaging is there's this old saw that porn and sex is always the leader of technology adoption. That's not true. The leader of technology adoption is always people talking to each other. If, like me, you're a child of the 80s or 90s, you probably remember the wonderful ways we use the internet to talk to strangers and each other. Before Facebook Messenger, we had ICQ, AOL Instant Messenger, and MSN Messenger. Groups of like-minded people entered our virtual living rooms through internet relay chat, bulletin boards, and listservs. We dialed in from our dial-up modem and had real-time conversations with people in other houses, other states, and other countries. From the first SMS in 1992 to the launch of Facebook chat in 2008, generations of consumers cut their teeth on this kind of communication. It was fast, convenient, non-threatening, and accessible. It makes sense that we're now demanding businesses get on board too. But how did we get here? I'm Dan Monheit, and this is Connected, the show that dives into marketing's past and explores its future. Now, that voice you heard at the start of the app talking about porn, that was Brian McCullough, and he knows a thing or two about what drives the internet as author of How the Internet Happened. So why do we love messaging so much? The first thing that people did when they got cell phones was text message each other. And then when smartphones came around, it was WhatsApp that took over those things. And social media is literally, social media is messaging. It's keeping in touch with other people because we're social primates that want to not only communicate with each other and feel love and connection with each other, but also we want to check up on the apes on the other side of the fence <laughs> and keep up with everybody and, and know what everybody else is doing. Once again, our monkey brains are the drivers for cutting-edge technology. And I mean, who hasn't spent a few days picking fleece off their family members? Right, so anyway, until the telephone was invented, not much had changed about how we communicated with people outside our own houses. Yes, we'd progressed from chiseling greetings into stone tablets, but not by much. We still wrote letters on paper, and someone with a horse needed to come around to deliver them. Ringing people was a big step up, and the beginning of what we might call the rise of convenience. Everyone suddenly had a new kind of access to everybody else. Hello? The people we needed could be available to us instantly, compared to carrier pigeon at least. If our great-grandparents had an issue with their, I don't know, newly electrified kettle, or say their house was on fire, at least now they could call the telephone operator and be connected with someone who might be able to help, instead of waiting to slowly perish, or at least be really thirsty waiting for their kettle to boil. Computers, and later the internet, completely blew this up. We entered this era of hyper-connectedness and ultra-assistedness. Microsoft's famous, if controversial and slightly misunderstood, Clippy is an early example of a digital tool trying to proactively help us using predetermined messages. Yes, Clippy, you're right. I am trying to write a letter. Thank you very much. Before long, vast swathes of conversation and rude pictures were available from the family computer a 640 by 480 resolution CRT monitor in full view of where our parents were making dinner. We weren't just not chiseling messages into stone tablets anymore. We were sending digital signals to people on the other side of the world in an instant. It truly was revolutionary. But as young people with insatiable curiosity and much better internet literacy than the adults, this kind of communication quickly became second nature. We developed whole dialects to communicate faster and better. BRB, Roffle, ASL, 
And of course, passive-aggressive away messages to let our crushes know we are far too hot and far too popular to care about them anyway. The optimist in me wants to believe is that it really truly started out as a way of connecting people who could share ideas that could make the world a better place and it could connect people. No more writing pen pal letters. You could send an email or you could chat online. You could connect with people, you know, AOL Messenger and things like that. I think the early days were honestly, truly about bringing people together. Me too, Meg Coffee, social media strategist. Me too. And wouldn't that be a beautiful utopia? When our phones became tiny computers, it heralded yet another new era of connectedness, where people were able to communicate even more easily. And it did bring us together. We didn't make more calls, we made fewer. Instead, our messaging apps came with us everywhere, waiting for us to communicate in whichever way suited us best. We set up group chats to solve problems and gossip about our frenemies, found ways to check in with our mums in less than an hour, and had hard conversations without the pressure of having to do it face-to-face. It was a whole movement, and it continues. Text is still the dominant form of communication online. But why? Why do we love messaging when we could just pick up the phone and call somebody? Hi, I'm Claire Madden. I'm a social researcher and run a consulting company called Hello Clarity. And my area of focus is Generation Z. It's really interesting how human behavior is shaping these technologies as much as they're shaping us. There's definitely preferences, which has been shaped by the environment that we've grown up in. So we can be frustrated when we see young people with headphones in and constantly on their devices. But at the same time, that's the world that we've created for them. Technology has evolved so rapidly, it's hard to keep up with, and it's transformed how we communicate. And you see that even between a millennial or a Gen Y and a Gen Z, and just the extent to which these digital technologies are immersed into their life. So from the moment they wake up, a Gen Z will tell you the first thing they'll do is scroll their social media. It's check their messages. It's do a streak on Snapchat. What we're seeing, again, with our Gen Zs is that they're creating new rules of communication around this whole area of messaging. Okay, but why do they like it so much? We're constantly living in both a virtual world and a physical world now. And for many, particularly in younger generations, the virtual world's become a bit of a comfort zone and can be a bit of a security blanket. So I think messaging happens for a number of reasons, but one is that it's less confronting. Gen Z see messaging as less threatening because you don't actually have to be there or see the response from the other person and you're more in control of the messaging that you send. Claire reckons that actually makes their way of communicating more personal, not less. The face-to-face interaction, the body language, the tone of voice that you get in face-to-face, you don't get over messaging. But Gen Z have talked to me about how they actually make sure that tone is communicated over messaging. So whilst it might be one-dimensional in one way and not have all those other layers that face-to-face communication has, they will go to the extra effort of communicating tone. Mark Prinsky, who talks about the difference between digital natives and digital immigrants, and he says the younger people who've grown up with this are just native to the technology. It's like a native tongue. Gen Z will just use it, seamlessly integrate it between online and offline world. They could hardly differentiate sometimes between their online world and their virtual world and what's going on with how they're communicating with brands or shopping or working or relating with others. They just got this ongoing seamless integration. Man, that is so true. 
So you see, those tools we started out using back in the 90s, they're all grown up now. Messaging isn't even really its own platform anymore. Just like whenever offline, instant communication is now just communication. And we don't just like it, we actually struggle when it's not there. It's natural that we all feel we're at the center of our universe. And that's the thing about messaging. It's on our terms, our time frame, and ultimately, it's less mentally taxing than thinking about how you're going to call somebody or, heaven forbid, actually go and meet them in person. Now let's talk about how this applies to brands. Like the web, messaging started out as a peer-to-peer tool, and businesses quickly tried to figure out how they could get involved and make it profitable along the way. If you think this kind of quick, simple, friendly communication is slightly different from traditional customer service, you'd be right. Businesses have long been notoriously hard to get in touch with, and it's almost always on their terms. But that is just not going to cut it with how people communicate today. I'm Ollie Moore. I'm a client partner at Meta. For about the last 12 months, I've been heavily involved with bringing business messaging to the market in Australia and New Zealand. If you look at a mobile phone, I think the stat goes that the eighth most popular used app on a phone is the actual phone itself, whereas messaging apps are the predominant uses of different apps. So the reality is that people love messaging. Australians love messaging. In fact, they're one of the largest users per capita of Messenger in the world. So like, it's a very strong user behavior. It's simple, it's fast, it's very reliable. If you think then from a business context, if you ask someone, hey, you've got a problem, you've got a question, you want to ask it, do you want to pick up the phone, wait in a queue, wait for someone to pick up that call and then have the conversation? Do you want to email and then wait for a response in an SLA maybe two, three days, something like that? Or do you want to ping them a message and get a pretty instantaneous response? That was Ollie Moore, Manager of Business Messaging at Meta, and he is 100% right. Have you even lived until you've sat on hold for three days, only to get cut off when someone finally picks up the call? Call centers are a known pain point for customers and a source of friction in customer brand relationships. So actually, messaging opens up this whole new opportunity for businesses to build positive relationships in spaces where their customers actually want to talk to them. Customer service is ready for its glow up. What we're seeing is some of those early use cases is typically on that kind of customer service end of the spectrum, opening up a dialogue between a specialist at a client, a brand, you know, in their contact center and someone who needs a problem resolving. But if you think about that from a business perspective, it's high value to a customer, but it's quite low value to a business because they have to pay someone to answer that query. Uh, and typically it's maybe something that's gone wrong that's not happening. But ultimately you create a lot of loyalty and value through that dialogue that you solve people's problems quickly. So customer care, I think, is quite well understood in the industry that messaging plays a really, really significant role. I think where there's less but we are seeing it now is more of the kind of higher value type of interactions in that customer journey with selling a product, generating leads, you know, driving value at that sales end, I guess, of the customer journey. And we're really starting to see those come through now. So that's kind of where we see it evolving. And still, we're testing and learning all the time, seeing experience in different markets. But I would say Predominantly, customer service is the entry point, and then we kind of build into those higher value communications as sophistication builds as well. I think it's first and foremost, businesses getting the understanding of the value. Understanding how they then execute on that is probably the challenge. Messaging channels like ours tend to often be limited to a social servicing team. 
which is quite separate from a customer service call center operation. So it's kind of bringing those two things together. So it's more than just asking to change a booking or turn the two small genes you bought online. This is about how we are as humans, at the core of how we interact and how we feel valued. Our time is precious and our lives are our own. Businesses are starting to realize that. We asked a few people for their thoughts. I think call centers are a bane on society. My preferred platform for customer support is either the AI chatbot or a phone. When I've got a question and I want answered, I generally will see if somebody else has asked the question first, and if not, I'll approach contact email or a Facebook page. I am definitely the kind of person that would pick up the phone. I'd much prefer to speak to an actual person. I like phone calls. It's more human. I'll take a messaging service, but people get stuff done. When someone mentions call centres, my immediate thought is, oh no, please no. I don't want to speak to someone on the phone, really. When I have a question for businesses, the way I usually connect with them is just through Facebook Messenger, really. Anything where I can get an instant response without having to speak on the phone is probably the best. The simple fact is that people expect more from businesses today. We want them to be in our familiar spaces using the tech that we know and understand. Of course, there are plenty of memes about 20-somethings being afraid of calls. Lol, we'd rather be set on fire than pick up the phone. But they do reflect a core truth about how many of us want to engage. And it's not an anonymous call centre we have to make the effort to contact. Luckily, the systems required aren't new. Brands have been evolving and adapting to our communication methods for decades. They started with friendly neighbourhood handymen, progressing to call centres, SMS, emails, ticketing systems, autoresponders, and now chatbots and live messaging. It's a natural progression. Put simply, if you're not getting with messaging as a communications tool, you're not moving to where your consumers are. There is certainly a gap between what we see as demand for communication between people and businesses via messaging channels and actual supply. So therein lies the opportunity. Technology moves fast. For those of us who stay across the changes, it makes our lives more convenient. And that's not just me wildly speculating. The research shows that we prefer to use live chat and that we have a better experience when we do. 41% of consumers prefer live chat support versus 32% who prefer phone support, 23% who prefer email support, and 3% who prefer getting support via social media. The average customer satisfaction rating for live chat globally is 83.1%. 51% of consumers are more likely to stay with or buy again from a company if they offer live chat support. 69% of shoppers in the US demand live chat features. Live chat is the number one service choice for shoppers between 18 and 49 years old. 73% of customers find live chat the most satisfying factory form of communication customers who use live chat spend up 60% more per purchase than live chat costs companies 15 to 33% less compared to millennials are 20% more likely to use live chat whoa clearly there is a lot of research out there and you can find the sources for all of those stats in our show notes so don't panic by now the message should be loud and clear over a billion messages are sent every day in australia every app seems to have a built-in messaging service and it's not just the dedicated chat ones This kind of communication is built into video apps, games, even collaborative work documents. Humans, right? On one hand, we're desperate for connection. But on the other, we don't want to have to work too hard for it. The technos were obsessed with text chatting, and now it's time for businesses to catch up too. In the next episode, we'll find out how. 
thanks to internet historian Brian McCullough, social media strategist Meg Coffey, social researcher Claire Madden, and Meta's Ollie Moore for speaking to us for this episode. Make sure you subscribe or follow to get part two of this story and all our future episodes. Connected is a Clearhaze Consulting production for Meta ANZ. It's executive produced by Meta's Georgina Gellert and Alexandra Sloan and produced by Alex Hayes, Janelle Lawrence, Sophie Woods, and Leah Young. Episodes are written by Anna Spargo-Ryan with music, sound design, and editing by Adrian Breakspear and production support from Akansha Singh. I'm Dan Monheit, and until next time, this is Connected from Meta.